The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Going good, buddy. Happy Sunday evening to you. Yeah, I know. We're doing we're recording this later than we usually do. We're usually yeah. early Sunday afternoon, sometimes like one o'clock or so, but yeah, mm-hmm. today we're really turning it in late. Yeah. Oh, remember? Remember we did Break the Business after dark. Ooh, back at the yeah. old studio. We did, I remember that. Yeah. So we're bringing that back after dark. I guess, yeah. You know what was funny? I think I forgot to mention last week. But when we were at, I was at your place at Thanksgiving, yeah, I had occasion to go into the old studio space because your your family now uses it for storage. Yeah, and I had a wistful feeling of nostalgia just wash over me. Yeah, the old uh, studio. Yeah, the table's been moved. Nothing's well. Some of the stuff is still there. The board was there. I felt compelled to write something on it. I think I put like, you know, in memoriam of. Was break it, the business first inaugural studio. Was it kind of like a lost ruins of break the business past? Like you see some old relics, some old artifacts from that show. Yeah, like the, I the, saw the, the ghosts of children run by. The crappy piano sound effects board that always crapped out on us. And yeah, for some reason the Chernobyl Ferris wheel was there. <laughs> you know, very ghostly, very ghostly. But moving, yet haunting. So we're going to talk a little bit about why we're recording later today in a second. But first, uh, let's tell people how to get in touch with us. Ah, can... yes, our usual stuff. If you want to email the show, email us at breakthebusiness@gmail.com. At Shut up, you bastard. <laughs> you got so excited to do the contact information before I could that you choked on your own spittle. Whatever. No, go on. Continue. So breakthebusiness@gmail.com. If you please. It's nice. You know, send us an email, please. It doesn't go to junk. We promise we read them. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can follow me at MetalDave85. You can follow this guy over here at Ryan, K-A-I-R. Still the same thing, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, no. Since yeah, the yeah. beginning. Since the beginning of time. It's been about a year and a half on Twitter now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Might as well. You're here. Just do it. Just make well, move the thing over to green. Where can they do that? Oh, go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, Facebook.com slash Break the Business. There you can find us there as well. Or, you know, like maybe a, a normal person, pull up your Facebook app. And to put search break the business, but that's two steps. I'm 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 literally cutting the steps in half. But I don't think they do it. Who I don't who who does it through Safari anymore or the internet? It's usually the app. Well, that's true. Was the last I, time? Was the last time you logged on to Facebook from your laptop? College. Do you do? <laughs> would you even remember your password? Yes, because that's happened to me before, where I've been at like a different computer or something, or uh-huh. I've had to reset the settings in my phone or whatever, and then I'm like, oh god. What password did I use when I was 19 years old and using Facebook to stalk women? Yeah, you, you probably had to be like, you know, what was it? Uh, Hurley is the best lost fan. I don't know. Wow, nice. Good yeah. reference. Because that was back when we were... You know. uh, but we were recording this one a little late because I was in New York City this past weekend. My plane just landed, but I wanted to make sure we still gave the folks an episode. And it so, didn't just land. Well, a couple hours ago. I didn't, I didn't run up to the gate, and I've got like a... Almost famous sort of tape recorder thing strapped to my belt strap, and I'm we're walking down the tunnel right now. I mean that would be funny. Yeah, probably would uh, hurt the sound quality a bit. Yeah. Plus, I, I, this is a very uh, 
not many people in this bustling international airport. Yeah, no, in super Miami. quiet. Good. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you think, you know, major international airport like Miami International, but no, it's a quiet. Yeah, during hear, December, you know. You can hear a pin drop here. Oh, yeah. This but, is great. Let me say this about New York. And I had a revelation about something that happened to me in the city, and I wanted to run this by you, see what you think. Because you. Because I was there recently, too. That's right. And you tend to be perceptive about, like, you know, you're the Dave the Ultimate Arbiter. You tend to make decisions about the way the world should be. And I want yes, to run this yes, by you about yes, something that kind of all true. Good stuff, yeah. threw me off. All right. Okay. I, I did go see a Broadway show. Oh, did you follow my recommendation and see Oh Hello? I did not. You son of a bitch. Uh, well, because the wife. It was a funny show. It was I a know, good show. I know. And I, I think I saw on Twitter you would have seen Chris Pratt as the special guest. Oh, that sucks. But. Uh, my wife makes all of my own decisions, and so and she wanted to see a musical, so a musical we saw. Okay, did you at least see the musical to see these days, Hamilton? Um, no, because I did not have $1,200 to shell out on two obstructed view tickets. I, I was just going to say, that was my next question. Those are the obstructeds. Yeah. I mean, you don't even get to like see the show. I mean, you're, you can sit in the bathroom, and maybe you can get some echo from like through the theater for... You know, $1,200. It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I want to see this show so badly, but I'm never going to see Hamilton. Yeah. Probably also, you know, you wouldn't have been there with Mike Pence anyway. You would have been there with Oklahoma Attorney General, soon to be EPA head, Mike Pruitt. That's right. Or yeah, Steve it's... Pruitt. Yeah, I would get one of the lesser Trump figures, like, you know, the you know Elaine Chow is going to be like there hanging out with me. So we were, we were in Broadway. We were watching Waitress. All right. You're watching Waitress. I've actually pulled this up here because I want to see what this is. What, a Waitress? New, a new Broadway musical. Baked from the heart. That, yes, it's it, that's the tagline. Well, don't you remember the Carrie Russell movie Waitress? <laughs> it, I'm so glad I'm not married. <laughs> <laughs> this okay, came, this came out long before I was married. No, but, no, no. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I never saw it. But so this is based on this that. This is based on that. Basically, they oh, took they so took the took, movie Waitress. They added some songs in it with uh they're all all the songs are written by Sarah Bareilles. You know, fantastic artist. I'll take your word for that. Really? Sarah Barella, Swing and Miss? familiar. She's kind of a big, you know... Swing and Miss, is that the name of a song, or is that me swinging and missing on who she is? Swing and Miss actually does kind of sound like a Sarah Barella song, but she... <laughs> she you know the song, Brave? Say what you want to say, but let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave. Really? Um, I don't know. Love can we song. play it? Can we play it? The, I, you, that's a, I've, I've been pretty much sung as much as I can before we get in trouble. How about, um, what's the other one? A love song. Not going to write you a love song because you asked for it. Oh, yeah, you... yeah. Thank that you. One. Welcome to the program. Okay, she wrote all the songs for Waitress. Anyway, the show was positively mediocre. <laughs> solid, solid C-plus effort from Broadway, okay? 76%. That's exactly, no, no. It was like a... Or like, 77? It was like a 55. Like, it was... It was it was a splat and not the tomato on Rotten Tomatoes. No, but a C plus would be. Let's go back to grading, buddy. Fifty five is an F. Well, I know, but like you know, in movie movie scales, not the same as like grading scales. I thought you I thought you were going Rotten Tomatoes there. You're going no, like I'm going, grading scales. Yeah, I'm going grading scales. Yeah, no, so, I mean C plus. Um, if I was like in, if I was watching like dinner theater in Toluca Lake, and this is what I saw, I'd be like, <laughs> this is beautiful. But for Broadway, it wasn't quite up to par, and it didn't help that. The lead actress wasn't there. It was her understudy. So we're already getting the second string. Wait, what day was? Did you go see this? Uh, it was a s- Friday night. 
Friday night I know, understudy. I know. I mean, there must be, like must have been a food poisoning issue. Okay, or but wow. So okay, but you didn't do matinee. Okay, right. which is fine because you don't want to be with the riffraff in the matinee. That's oh, you know, you know me, Mister Elitist. Yeah. But anyway, like the show was like C plus effort. You know, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I've seen worse on Sp- Broadway, Spider Man. But you saw. So, hold on a second. We got to put. We got to put. Go back to this. You did see Spider Man. I, the I Dark? did see Spider Man. Okay, we're, continue. We're going to go back. Okay. We're gonna put it, all right. Wait. By the to, way, am wait, I talking about Spider Man or Waitress? No, now? no. We're going to go to Waitress. We're going to talk about Spider Man. By the way, there's no guest today, folks. We're actually going to be talking a bit. That's right. <laughs> so yes. we're, we're fine. No guests. So uh, us talking. Good way to tell people we have no guests. Yeah. Anyway, um, but we got some great guests coming up in subsequent weeks, so stick around. But oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, so waitress, you know, positively C plus effort. You know, not but definitely not the best thing I've seen on Broadway. You know, the script wasn't great, wasn't terrible, wasn't great. You know, some of the characters were one dimensional. Just a solid average effort from Broadway. Shows over, standing ovation. What? And it made me realize that pretty much every Broadway show I've been to gets the standing O and it makes me think like, do we give out standing ovations too easily? Like shouldn't the standing ovation mean something in theater? We give it up like it's nothing here. We gave a standing O at Oh Hello to Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Those gentlemen earned it. I'm sure they did. Um, And I think there are plenty of shows out there where I have been, you know, I'm the first guy to jump up if I see truly great theater, but like for this, this one I, I felt forced. Because everybody started standing up for what was a clearly pedestrian Broadway production. And I was just like, oh, we're doing this? We have to do this? Like, I don't want to be the one asshole who doesn't stand up. So I guess, like, I'm standing up. But, like, this is... This but you sucks. Were, but you were standing up, clapping, kind of probably half-heartedly with your jacket in hand. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a half stand-up, half, I'm going to get to the exit before everybody moves. Right. Um, but you were probably looking around, mostly like, really? What? what That's what? exactly what I was doing. Was like, really? like, was it a crowd of white hair sort of thing? Or... Typical Broadway audience. Yeah, it's skewed older for sure. Okay. And now, okay. Oh, ooh, quick question. I'm, I think I already know the answer to this. Your wife stood up first, right? No, because really? Well, did she? Oh, she, so she didn't even think. Was did she not think this was worthy? She, yeah, no. She she had the same view I did that it was that it was pretty mediocre. Ouch. So you took her there for her, and then she also ended up like, eh, marriage. Wow, <laughs> it's going downhill quickly, bro. I'll say this though: the, the, the Sarah Bareilles <laughs> songs were good. I mean, Sarah Bareilles can write a good song, but the, I mean, the show was just. But like, so I mean, really, am, am, like, but I mean, am I off base? Like, should should we as a theater going society be no, not more judicious? Standing yeah, not everything is standing o. Like, so if, what can we do to like prevent this? Like, what like do like we need a way to make sure that like you know that we're a little more selective over when we're showing you know okay. appreciation for true um, theater excellence. Okay, all right. Well, one quick idea: Were you in the mezzanine? Yeah. Or like uh, in the balcony area? Okay. So like if there's an enthusiastic... No, no, actually no. It was like back orchestra. Oh, on the floor. (laughs) Yes. Excuse me. Not like a... La-dee-da. I'm right. I only do orchestra. Not with the peasants in the mezzanine or even the upper balcony. How do those souls live with themselves? Work harder. Get in the orchestra. You done? Yes. Well, also now my, my suggestion you can't do because I thought maybe you were like I don't know, row one or two of the mezzanine or the balcony. I was going to say you find an enthusiastic standing ower there and just throw him over as a lesson. <laughs> He'll be fine, you know. Well, it depends on the angle. But, you know, <laughs> you couldn't do that from the back of the orchestra. Or maybe you just start yelling, No! 
No, no, we shouldn't support this. This is a C-plus effort, guys. Come on. No. Maybe that's what it has to be. Like, I need to know that in our theater culture, like, it's always going to be a standing ovation. So before they even have a chance to do that, I just need to get up, like, right during the start of the curtain call. Everybody sit down! We all we all know this wasn't good enough for a standing ovation. Nobody stand up, because then everybody else will feel peer pressure to stand up, and we all need to be in this together. That was mediocre work. Stay in your seats. Yeah, I'm with that guy. <laughs> I thought I started a dialogue. Yeah, no, 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 I'm sorry. You were like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. This guy's got it. This guy understands. No problem, dude. Totally dragged there by my wife. Yeah, no, no, yeah, you understand then. Like, did you want to see Oh Hello too? Yeah, kind of. Or whatever. <laughs> we flew in from Oklahoma. Didn't really want to see anything about a waitress, but with Felicity. Also, no Felicity. Felicity. <laughs> yes, Felicity was not there. Yeah. Well, no, like Felicity is not starring on Broadway. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that would have been funny, though. No, she's like an quick go, show quick go back. Americans. Okay, quick go back. You saw Spider-Man turn off the dark. Yes, I have seen Spider-Man turn off the dark. This is when you were in law school. Yes, it was. Yes. So obviously you survived. Yeah. But what was that like? It, it was look. I mean, these stunts were pretty impressive. Like, like they swung their little spider webs like out into the audience and swing back. Like it was like some Cirque du Soleil type stuff. As long as you can look past. The writing, the acting, the singing, the choreography, uh, the music, the lyrics, when, so the really, stage crewing. And, and really, when you go to theater... The concessions. And when you go to theater, you're really not looking for that. You're looking for the stunts. That's right. It was great You're stuff. like, Indiana Jones, Stunt Spectacular, Waterworld Show, and Broadway. Mm-hmm. It was like Michael Bay got in charge of a Broadway musical. This thing. Ew. So and, also, there's a lot of weird, unusually loving shots of teenage girls, probably. That's what Michael Bay does. Anyway. Yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, so, wow. It's like halfway through the show, a half-naked Megan, Megan Fox walked through. It yeah. was weird, but, you know, Michael Bay, what are you going to do? Did that show get a standing O? I think it might have. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I think, I think probably the audience back then in, what was it, 2012, 11, probably gave them a standing O because, like, yay, you did it. Like, you could, like, you got to the end of it. It's like, it's like children's theater. Yay. You did it. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like that's like I feel like we could like the next Broadway the next big Broadway show could be Bernadette Peters farting into a microphone for eight seconds and we're gonna standing owe that. That's what's happened to our theater culture. This is a music business podcast, by the way. Eh. <laughs> this is the end this is towards the end of the year. We're I know. we're just mailing it in as we get closer to the new year. Yeah, as we're getting closer to the Christmas break, which we'll have to discuss later on what our Christmas break schedule looks like. But we won't do that on there. That's that's off air housekeeping. That, that, Unless you want to have the conversation right now. I'm not doing anything. Christmas? We're not going anywhere. No, I know, but like, yeah, I'm not doing anything now. We could we could literally have a uh, an administrative discussion. Because this is what happens when we don't have a guest for a week. Yeah. We have some good guests. So okay, next, so that was so that was NYC. So waitress yeah, pass, hard pass. I mean, like, and, and I don't want to make people think that it was a bad show. Like, it was just mediocre. It and was the, just okay. The show, the last show you saw before this, was that the Patrick Stewart Ian McKellen show? Yeah, San Diego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm noticing a pattern. But then again, you were also so highfalutin. You're like, uh, I kind of didn't care for it. Well, no, two I, actors at the top of their game. Was it was it Harold Pinter's No Man's Land or was it Waiting for Godot? I got No Man's Land. Okay, because you're just going to... What, what is the show turning into? I was just going to say, I was at the Coral Gables Art Cinema... Theater talk with Ryan and Dave. Yeah, and, and, okay, yeah, I'll fudge it. We're, we got no, you're stuck with us. You downloaded it. <laughs> <laughs> you're driving to work like, what the fudge is this? 
Bad mouth Sony, damn it! <laughs> I want Ryan to hate record labels. Where's the neck? Talk about Eric Gardner's latest article. We'll get there in two minutes. I promise. It's it's on the board. It's on the board. Literally, it's on the board. Um, we hate them too. Um, <laughs> but I was at the uh, Coral Gables Art Cinema seeing Manchester by the Sea. Was that good? I want to see that. I liked it. You know, it's so funny because I was the youngest there, probably by like forty years. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm Art th- cinema, yeah. Yes. I, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I would say yes, probably by 40 years. Maybe the youngest, the, the youngster there was maybe 70 than me. Um, walking at, walking into it first, this older couple. <laughs> well, yeah. Could have just said couple. Uh, a couple patronizing the studio. Anyway, so I hear this older couple say, boy, that was a depressing movie. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like kind of a downer. When I watched it. I really didn't see what they were talking about. I don't know. It was definitely, you know, it was good. It was emotional. It was deep. And I, I think Ka- Casey Affleck did a great job. I would like to get your opinion on the ending, though, if you do see it. Um, I will definitely do that. Because, no, I, I do want to see it. And I saw a preview for it on uh, on the TV today when I was in the hotel coming mm-hmm. from New York. And it was saying how, you know, like the the previews, the reviews were very laudatory of Casey Affleck's performance. Yes, it was saying, like Oscar bait movie. Right, they were saying like, Casey Affleck, a strong Oscar contender. One of them even said, go ahead and etch in Casey Affleck's name for best actor. How funny would it be mm-hmm. if Casey Affleck, like the guy, like the the you know double burger guy from Goodwill Hunting, mm-hmm. wins the acting Oscar before Ben does? Yeah, okay, but Ben's one for Argo, so he's fine. No, but no, but Ben, Ben, Ben wins the other Oscars. Like, you know, they'll have, they'll have, they'll, they'll show like a preview for a Ben Affleck movie and say Academy Award winner Ben Affleck, and it's disingenuous because he's won a screenwriting Oscar and a producing Oscar, but he's never no, won the but, acting Oscar. But we all know Argo; he should have been nominated and won for Best Director anyway. But so he, that Best Picture was like a complete package. I understand, but he's never he's it doesn't change regardless of what you think of Mr. Affleck. He's never won the acting Oscar, which I, eludes him. Be nice to Ben Affleck. And now I'm his for little guy. brother, double burger guy from Good Will Hunting, is going to win Best Actor before he does. He's done other stuff. He was really good in the uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Have you ever seen that one with I, Brad Pitt? I did not. Oh, you bastard. Can I get a double burger? Okay. Anyway, the whole point I brought that up was the preview before the movie yep. was a live perform- showing of uh from like uh the west end of harold pinter's no man land with no man's land with patrick stewart and ian mckellen oh first full circle and you're saying no by the way it's at the wonderfully convenient time for of noon <laughs> noon <laughs> on a tuesday Wait, because the patrons are all in their 70s yeah. and 80s and I'd, I'd like to see it but well, they, noon they, they had just had lunch at golden corral before this so <laughs> Well, look, wait, no, no, no. The the Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart show, I, I mean, I gave that a standing on. I was happy to do it. You complained to me so much. Well, I said the show, like the script was weird. and uh-huh. But I did, it, it did not take a, away from the fact that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen turned in tremendous, earth-shattering performances. In fact, two of the finest performances I've ever seen on stage in the weirdest freaking script I've uh-huh. ever heard. Why am I taking your opinion as facts here or these scripts? Who are you with scripts? Or do, do you want to go see Waitress and prove me wrong? Oh, I have no... Go sit no. through a two-hour musical about pie? Oh, I have no desire to see Waitress. That seems like a, a bad idea. Like, I'm glad you like it, Literally, the whole musical is about pie, David. It's a pie musical. Really? 
and it got a standing ovation. It's about pie? It's about pie. Fascinating. Yes. Ryan, you know who wants a bigger slice of the pie? <laughs> that's a that's a transition right there. Artists. Artists do. Um, all right, so now we can so you know we can talk about music business. Now the show can start. <laughs> Let's start the show. So if you were not listening to this show for the first 17 minutes, then you didn't miss much. Uh, a couple cool things uh, to talk about in the music industry before we get into the guests that we don't have this week. Uh, this is an article that you actually wanted me to talk about. Yes, I found this article. I went digging. I know. Very In the uh, very uh, low-budge, not widely circulated uh, magazine known as Variety. Yeah, Variety. It's, it's really up and coming. Every once in a while you do uh, music industry show prep. I always find that so exciting. Do that like all the time. If all I find, the time. If I find something interesting, I send it to you a lot of times, but we also follow the same people on Twitter. So if I see it, you're probably going to see it. And the four times you've done that, it's been great. I don't like you. Uh, from you're the, the waitress of the show. From Ver- <laughs> That would explain why you've never given me a standing ovation after any of our shows. <laughs> Zach Katz from Variety wrote a great article, Why the Music Industry Needs a Revamp Relationship with Artists Entrepreneurs. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Sure. Um, because I think it just captures something about record contracts that I've always found frustrating the last few years as I've been reviewing them. He writes, It's time then for the music industry to modernize its relationship with the people who make the music. That means giving artists the creative autonomy they need to be the best artists they can be. In business terms, it means a relationship based on a clear split of revenue in which all costs and revenues are laid out transparently. As to what that share should be, given streaming, given streaming services or licensees of music and revenues from music licensees are generally spit, split 50-50, that would seem a logical benchmark going forward. Naturally, those com- the companies used to old-style record deals based on a typical 15% royalty will object to such an increase, but the fact is that cost structures built around the old model are no longer justifiable. Absolutely. This person nails it, and I don't know why... Record deals have done it one way for so long where you get a record contract mm-hmm. and it's completely structured around a 15% royalty. All the money that comes in, you get 15% of that, but it's not really 15% because they make all kinds of deductions. And, oh, we did this, something like we this. We did do this a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but really what it should be, and I don't know why more record deals don't do it this way because it'd be much simpler. I mean, granted, I don't like record deals to begin with, but if you wanted to make it more fair, <laughs> how about a record deal where you say, I don't know. Let's take all the money that comes in, let's deduct all the costs, and then whatever's left, split it. 50-50. Label gets half, artist gets half, let's go home. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, of course, the reasons why labels don't do that is because their model depends on a very complicated mathematical formula that even seasoned entertainment lawyers can't make sense of that allows them to be able to justify paying artists nearly nothing while they can make a ton of money off artists' efforts. I think that formula is called graft. Graft, yes. yes. I, I believe that is the industry yes. term for yes. it. Um, and he also, this the, the passage that I read also underlies something else that's important, which is transparency. Uh, many artists can never get a straight answer as to how much they're getting and how much they earn. Like, I mean, a fair record deal would be one where a artist would be treated as like any other partner in a venture, where you can get regular statements of how, how the money's doing, how money's coming in, mm-hmm. what money's coming in, what costs are being deducted, and what my financial position is. Instead, artists have no idea how they're doing. All they see is their song climbing up the charts, the label making money, and the artists get royalty statements that say zero because the label says, oh, you haven't recouped this, 
or, you know, we still have some, you know, pending unrecouped balances or, you know, you know, we're still doing deductions and you just get no money. And, and so why we can't have record deals that are just, here's how much money's coming in. Here's a transparent discussion of where the money's going and how much you should be getting. And then have the deal structure where instead of doing these royalties with deductions and exemptions, just say all the money that comes in, we deduct the costs, split 50, 50, everyone goes home. So I think uh, hopefully articles like this can be more frequent because we need to be having this conversation more often. Transparency, even splits. All right. Second article that came out, um, not an article, but a report actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll call it a counterpoint from the things we talk about on this show. Uh, A theme we've constantly recited on this show over and over. And I've talked about in the break, the business book, Dave, Mm -hmm. is this idea that record labels these days are not spending any money developing artists anymore. Right. Um, A&R budgets are drying up. Yeah, just you know, slashing them up. And more and more, the expectation seems to be in the music industry that record labels are looking for turnkey properties, not fixer-uppers. You know, If you want to get a record label's attention these days, you already have to have a perfect sound. You already have to have the giant fan base. You already need to have the giant Facebook and Twitter following and a long catalog of music before the record deal company's even going to take a chance on you, which of course begs the question, if you already have all that, what do you need the record label right. for? Yeah. But that tends to be where record labels are because yeah. the changes in the industry hit them. You know, the new millennium hit them so bad that they've gotten to the point where they can't take a chance on any right. if propositions that they have to, everyone has to be a home run. Gone are the days where you s- sort of scour the County fairs for hidden gems yeah. and do everything to, Make that you know, bring it up through the ranks, yeah. kind of like the uh, like the O'Neaters. The O'Ne- that's O'Naters. <laughs> that's God. If anybody gets that reference, um, you know, yes, it's no longer. It's not what you see in the movies where you see the record executive like going into the club late at night and you see like the the lone ingenue playing the guitar mm-hmm. and the guy like hears her sing and just knows she's gonna be a success and like pulls her aside and is like you don't belong here. I'm going to make you a star. And she's like, oh, what, that old thing? No, that's just, I just sing that to myself in the bathroom. It's like, no, you're going to be a huge success. And then, you know, movie happens and, you know. And sex, drugs, rock and roll later. That's right. You know, lessons are learned. You know, that's right. Things happen, yeah. And, but, you know, again, that but that's not the way it is anymore because labels don't do that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of goes back to, you know, if you read those old music business books, they, they say the way to get a record label's attention to get that deal is you record some demo tape in your parents' basement. You give it to an entertainment lawyer who then shops it, quote unquote, to a mm-hmm. record label as if like a record label gives a damn what I think is talented. Hey, that tone deaf lawyer over there. I yeah. bet he knows what, you know, what sounds good. Yeah. What, what do you have for us today? Tone deaf yeah. record you know, yeah. entertainment lawyer. Or you're not exactly shipping uh, cassettes to uh, FM stations yeah. to play stuff. Yeah. But See, I have a feeling, though, you're saying, and I think we all think, okay, those budgets have dried up, but apparently, Ryan, the industry themselves says otherwise. Yes, the the industry is fighting back against this perception Mm -hmm. that they don't develop artists anymore. Earlier this month, the IFPI put out a report entitled... Investing in music, the power of record companies. So the report states that we're being ridiculous in saying that labels aren't developing artists. According to the report... The music industry, or labels, have spent $2.8 billion in 2015 on A&R, mm-hmm. which would be the sector of the company devoted to finding and developing artists. Furthermore, they state that this $2.8 billion figure represents 
0.9% of the label's revenues, which is a higher percentage than any other industry spends on research and development. So the argument goes that the record industry, contrary to our beliefs, is spending more dollar for dollar on its R&D sector, A&R, mm-hmm. than the pharmaceutical industry or even the software industry is spending on R&D. So we're wrong and labels are all about developing artists. Except this report is, you know, a little intellectually dishonest. Okay. And it's a shame because right now I see this report all over Twitter. Like all the pro-label people on my Twitter feed are touting this as if they've won some grand victory. Like, oh, the IFPI says we're right. And so therefore record labels are awesome. Except let's consider the source. The IFPI, which stands for... International Federation of the Phonographic Industry. So this is not some impartial fact-finding organization. This is an organization that represents labels. Okay, so these are like the uh, the Center for Tobacco Studies, uh, run by like Philip Morris, That's Marlboro, right. all those guys, or like the Energy Studies, run by Exxon Mobil and British Petroleum. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, so yeah, when reading, you know, when looking at these statistics, for one thing, consider the source. Secondly. It's important to actually read the report and what it says, which I did quite quickly because the report was like seven or eight pages. That's it? So, a little a little want of detail. Wow. Nice little and pamphlet. Yes, it's exactly what it was. It was a pamphlet. Now I was expecting like, oh, this is going to have a lot of data in it to support their claims. Yeah. It had like very little data. And but when I say like seven or eight pages, it was mostly pictures of artists and like giant block quotes or pie charts. And oh, yeah, they were all about the pie charts and graphs and no. things like that. We can't escape waitress. <laughs> I walked right into that. It was a pie musical. It was all about pie. Even Homer Simpson as Pie Man was there. Yes. <laughs> Such a random Simpsons reference. Anyway, but yeah, it was a very short article. And uh, what the article did not include yeah. is what budgetary line items it was calling A and R. Like what? What are? What is the? What is the report considering? development expenses like what's it calling artist development and when you don't include those points it's kind of hard to support your argument because for example i wonder how much of that 2.8 billion dollars in you know for artist development includes expenditures that are recoupable from the artist's royalties you know because if that 2.8 billion dollar figure includes say advances to the artist then that's not really an investment by the label because it's recoupable out of the artist's royalty. So really, that's an artist's investment. Right. Like, the artist should get credit for that, but not the label. So how much of that stuff is recoupable um, is a very important question, one that is not mentioned in this report because, again, it's, you know, three pages. I keep shortening the page number with every time I mention it, but it was a really short report. I was quite disappointed. It's going to be a post-it note soon. That's right. Uh, it was it was literally one word. <laughs> um, no, in their cross industry analysis. So this is the other thing where they said, "Oh, we're so big on development. We spend more money dollar for dollar on our development than the pharmaceutical industry does on their development." Because <laughs> they they compared the A and R numbers of record labels to the R and D numbers of other industries, but that doesn't really work either because that suggests that A and R and R and D are similar. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's apples and oranges and, but in fact, it's apples and oranges It's or apples and, you know, brutally exploiting creative people. <laughs> and cause here's the thing, like what, what, what labels do or what they're purporting to doing, which is developing their personnel, helping, you know, finding and developing talent. Mm-hmm. That's not R and D that's 
human resources. That's HR development. That's taking people and making them better at what they do, taking your human inputs and improving them. And so if we're going to compare across industries, you can't compare A&R to R&D. You have to compare the A&R of record labels to the R&D and HR expenses of the pharmaceutical industry or the software industry. Like how much money is GlaxoSmithKline or Pfizer spending on developing their scientists and their, you know, you know, gorgeous sorority graduates who are, you know, <laughs> slinging their, you know, Viagra to hospitals and things like that. That's a more analogous comparison. I bet when you compare those numbers, it's not even close. Um, and speaking of R and D, so if we want to make this an R and D question, mm -hmm. then, you know, let's ask ourselves, how, what are the labels actually spending on what is research and development as in researching new processes and procedures and technologies to make your products more uh, exciting to the masses. Mm -hmm. And that's something that historically labels suck at. Because if they, if they cared about R&D, they would have researched things like, I don't know, music downloading or streaming. Nah. And right, and those are things where every time that there's a new emerging technology, labels have fought against it throughout history. They are the worst at R&D of any industry. And, and the only reason that the music industry has had any research and development is that other companies like YouTube, like Spotify, like Apple with iTunes have had to drag the music industry into, you know, R&D advancements. You know what I, I know what you want. I think I, I'm starting to realize that what your end game here is. Yeah. You want the Mr. Smith goes to Washington end where you have the record labels on trial and you want like the head of Sony Warners or Universal to basically do a Claude Rains. Yeah. And basically be like, it's true. Everything this man has said about me is true about graft and corruption and all that. And it's just like fade to black and the movie ends on that. On that yeah, kind I would of like weird that note. very much. But you, you would like that. You would like going to a record label, seeing the A&R logo on the door, and you basically going, wait a second. There's tape on here. And you pull it off and it goes, assault and robbery. Yeah. On, on the artists. I'm going to stand up for this lost cause. That's, that, that's, that's what you want. You fancy yourself Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to try the Jimmy Stewart again, but I think my first time I kind of messed it up, and I yeah, it's not necessary. Kind of afraid to try it again. All right, it's love thy neighbor. That's hard. Okay. Anyway, and so, and here's the last point on this. Oh, there's another point. Yes, indeed, and I think it's the most important one because the claim that we've been making is not that record labels, it's not merely that record labels don't invest in A and R. I'm sure that they have some A and R budget. But the question is, how much are they investing relative to what they used to invest? Mm -hmm. Because that's what we always say, is that labels don't invest anymore the way they used to. And so what we should be looking at is not how much labels are spending on A&R relative to their total revenues, which, by the way, are always shrinking, and that might explain why the percentage is higher. It's how much record labels are spending on A&R relative to what they used to spend. And thankfully, we have those statistics. I mean, the IFPI did not provide them, but ah. uh, other folks have. Um, and so that's what we should be looking at. And thankfully we have those statistics according to music business worldwide from 2005 to 2014, Warner music group, one of the major labels, their A&R spending has fallen 21.7% from 2005 to 2014. And that's not adjusted for inflation. If you adjust it for inflation, the figure is actually a 35.4% drop. Ooh. So from 2005, which was about the beginning of the end for, you know, major recorded music, mm -hmm. 
um, they, you know, labels have cut, the major labels have cut their development budget by almost a third. And, you know, you can't, you can't really say that that's still an important thing for your industry if you're making those kind of cuts. So anyway, that's, that's the problem with the IFPI report. And I look forward to a more comprehensive analysis from them, but I'm guessing we're not going to get it. <laughs> not. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for the next segment. No guests this week. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. What was that? What was what? Why did we do that? Why We're is, just talking. That's true. I guess we didn't really need to take a break. We could have just kept going. Yeah, they know to buy your damn book. We don't need a little interstitial to tell them to do it. That's true. People, I think people like that advertisement, though. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. Oh, God. We got to get a new one. See, but that's what I did. That's what John Ratzenberg was nice to do that one for us. So we can kind of like update the old stuff. That's true. Next time we don't have a guest, we'll have the Ratzenberger one instead of the other one. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. Thanks to Ryan and Dave for joining us in the previous segment. And now you have Ryan and Dave here. Oh, yes. No, or Dave and Ryan. That's true. You know what? This is like kind of the more Dave heavy segment because this is pop culture. By the way, stuff. I do like how you're we, we talking about R&D so much in the last one. And the, the, the folks at home, you don't realize R&D was the title of the podcast I came up with for this show sort of iteration thing when i was bugging ryan night hey, we should do a show that's true okay you that's true you before we started doing this podcast you had been prodding me to do a podcast yeah for how like a year seems like it was it was getting up there a bit yeah and i said hey r&d i was even nice enough to give you the top billing well because r&d is the is exactly is what makes it like dnr doesn't make any sense right i know but i, I it was my idea but i like, still DNR's like, like do not resuscitate Ooh, <laughs> it's a terrible like name for a podcast oh, right yeah it's a bit of a negative connotation <laughs> yes there. either we're gonna die or they're gonna die from listening which is probably true too okay so uh, i have this as a segment i see it on the board so everyone stop everything dave has an important pronouncement to make that was such a weird transition. I know. That was like no transition. I juxtaposed that with my pie thing earlier, which was fucking beautiful and professional and on point with that schlocky little transition you did. No. Wow. Everyone, You're... stop everything. Dave has an important pronouncement to make. I think by virtue of the fact that it's like we have to stop everything, it's a sudden, it has to be a sudden stop or it doesn't work. No, 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 because, but you announced it. You actually built up to it. You're the waitress of this show. You did that last break. Did you call me the waitress of this show last segment, too? 77%. Do you just want to hit the thing now again? Yes. Everyone, stop everything. Dave has an important pronouncement to make. I was thinking the other day, you know what I, I I had never heard of or seen? Yeah. People don't get two soups. What do you mean? You go out to a restaurant to have a meal, right? Yeah. 
And you're like, ooh, well, let me get an appetizer. Let me get a soup. Oh, what do I want? French onion? Oh, that sounds pretty good. Ooh, lobster bisque or maybe a nice chowder or whatever it is. Just mm-hmm. maybe if you're up north and it's cold, you know, nice warm soup will be good. Without a doubt. Yes. You know what you never see, though? People then get a soup as an entree after getting the soup as the starter. I think I can get behind this, actually. Well, actually, it's funny. I brought this up to then coworkers who then one of them was like, I do that. Really? I, like, yeah, I get, oh, I, I've totally got like two soups. I've never met anybody that's done that. And I, and I can tell you, there have been so many times where I've been at a restaurant and I've been stuck between two soups and I would have liked very much just to have both of them. Right. But I feel like society says we can't. Yes. But why? The same society that forces us to give a standing ovation during a mediocre Broadway production is the same one that is placing a arbitrary maximum on the number of soups consumed at one sitting. And I'm not saying be a savage. You still get like the cup size or whatever, maybe the smaller portion of your first soup, yeah. of your initial soup, of your initial foray into the soup kingdom. <laughs> and then you get your entree soup. You know? Yeah. But why not have two I, soups? I, and I haven't thought about that. Oh, wow, wow. I literally came up with this right now. Oh, okay. Literally right now off All the right. dome. This is All not right. rehearsed or I'm anything. I'm so excited. And then if you're thinking, well, why don't I just go for the trifecta here? Why don't I get a soup for dessert? But here's the thing. Okay. Get a bowl of ice cream. Let it melt. Ice cream then, soup. Yeah. It's the same consistency, essentially. <laughs> True enough. It's, you know, like a lot of the, like the cream-based soups, you know, just... Dave, Dave, Dave. Yeah. We got to take this to its logical conclusion, all right? Yeah. I'm thinking three-course meal soup restaurant. Oh, I like that. Like, you get your soup app, your soupetizer. Uh-huh. Your entree soup, and then a ice cream soup dessert. What do we call the place? Soup's on? Soup's on! Soup's on! Damn right, soup's on! Oh, shit. We really should cut this out of the show. I know. Like, somebody's going to steal this. Trademark. Copyright. Um... Legal protection. We're going to sue your friggin' ass if you take this. <laughs> if I find a place called Soup's On, you know what? I, maybe you should Google this. Even if there's, been a, if, if there's a mom and pop in upstate New York called Soup's On that started in 1964, I'm still suing them. We're, we're taking you down, yeah. mom and pop. You're licensed in New York. <laughs> it's true. I kind of like this bold pronouncement segment. That's, that's kind of awesome. Did I really boldly pronounce anything or notice? I think you boldly pronounced that we should all, as a society, be more willing to have two soups in a meal. Are you going to do this the next time you go out? Next time I go to a restaurant, I'm going to make it happen. And I'm going to think of you. Really? As I'm slurping out of the spoon. Okay, well, because you know what I could say? Let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's go to Flanagan's after this right now. They do have at least two soups on the menu. That might be all the soup they have. (laughs) They they don't have a wide selection of soup. Yeah, it's kind of a a rib joint. (laughs) Yeah, rib and seafood. well, Well, they got the clam chowder. I think they got like a seafood gumbo. Maybe that's it. They, they could have only a maximum of two soups. Mm-hmm. But that, that, hey, but still, it allows the premise to happen. Yeah. You can have the one and the two, and then you get the ice cream. There you go. And I'm sure they have like some kind of ice cream dessert that yeah, you can yeah. just, you know, you have you oh, have totally, bro. you have the two soups, and then you order the ice cream, and then you have a just a conversation with your 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 dinner mate. Yeah, you know, just you let know, it melt. Kibitzing while it melts. Yeah, and then you enjoy ice cream soup together. Yeah. Oh, bro, this has got to this happen. Is, this has got legs, man. Bro, this is like got to happen, bro. <laughs> Good stuff. So yep. the Grammy nominations came out. Oh, Grammys. Yay. Another Grammys season is upon us with artists I have never heard of, with songs I will never hear, and performances I won't see. But I see you, Grammys. I see what you're doing. Ooh, 
Best rock performance, Dave. Metallica, Hardwired. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're trying to get you. They're... And I'm like, okay, but let's... Uh, do you have the best rock performance pulled up? I can pull it up for you. I think... It, it, great prep by us. Yeah. I also have it somewhere in the phone that's locked right now. Let's see. Let's put in the password. Bit, bit, bit. All right, I got it here. I think, because it's like, what, also with David Bowie's Black Star? Yeah, so, oh, wow, David Bowie's up for best rock song? Yeah. You're, you're not winning that one. No, 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 so that's, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, oh, look, here, here's something. I'm like, Bowie's going to win. Give me a break. Yeah. Best rock song, Black Star, David Bowie, songwriter David Bowie, Burn the Witch, Radiohead, pfft, Hardwired, Metallica, Heathens by 21 Pilots. I don't know who they are. You don't know who 21 Pilots is? No, I don't. It's, we already had Sully come out. We don't need any more. They pilots. had like three or four hits this year. You just walk. You just didn't hear the joke. Okay, that's fine. Oh, Sully. Yeah, because yeah, okay, get out of here. My name is Human. Highly suspect. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? You don't uh, know what that is. Highly suspect is the group. I've never heard of them. Ah, thank you. See, so even you over here, Mr. Grammy, don't even know who some of these people are. No, you know who some of these people are. Because look, ready. Album of the year. Okay. Adele. Okay. Beyonce. Yeah, of course. Justin Bieber. I know you don't like Bieber, but you know who Bieber is. Yeah. Drake. I feel like, aren't they nominated every single year for album of the year? Well, Beyonce Adele and Beyonce is. is. Yeah. Um, Drake, you know Drake. And probably the one you definitely know, Sturgill Simpson. No, is that like some sort of kid or something? I have. It's a country artist, but oh, when I saw the album of the year nominees, and I saw you know Bieber, Drake, Adele, Beyonce, Sturgill Simpson, I I already got excited. Oh, you know what? That's probably going to win because everyone's going to split the votes. That's what I'm saying. And like, by the way, if you're if you're a if you're so degenerate of a gambler that you bet on Grammys, take Sturgill Simpson for album of the year because I think you're going to get good odds on it. I'm not saying it's going to win necessarily, but you're going to get good odds on it. Do Vegas books take bets on the Grammys? They, oh, I'm sure of it. Well, that's right, because I remember, sure I remember last year we had the controversy where you actually had the inside track and you broke the Price Waterhouse Cooper seal somehow and got a list and you knew all the winners. I got 12 out of 14 right in the Grammy pool we did last year. Yeah, because you, you threw two to, to cast off suspicion. I see you, Shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> nice reference. Uh, but yeah, you're... I mean. If you're gonna like, if you're gonna bet album of the year, Sturgill Simpson might be a good bet because it's a good value pick. Because yes, this is the you know those four candidates. You're talking about four of the biggest names in music, all in the same kind of pop realm. So the chance of vote splitting is super high. Meanwhile, all the country people get behind Sturgill Simpson, and if he wins album of the year, Twitter is going to lose its mind. I mean, I remember a few years ago when Arcade Fire won album of the year, you would have thought that you know everybody's collective dog got run over. I mean, people were like, Arcade Fire! I just, I I hate everything! And best pop solo performance, Hello, Adele, Hold Up, Beyonce, Love Yourself, Justin Bieber, Dangerous Woodman, Ariana Grande, and the thing that pisses me off the most here, Piece by Piece, Kelly Clarkson. Okay. What's wrong with Piece by Piece? Uh, Hello, what, she's covering Slayer songs now? Uh, that, that was is, like off Rain and Blood, dude. That's definitely not the same song. Well, then she shouldn't call it the same thing. Because <laughs> once you use a song title once, it can never be used again. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what there's a lot of? Hmm. A lot of Christian gospel categories, I noticed. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a big religion. 
Like they're <laughs> big religion. They're uh, they're 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 really on the up. They're really on the up and coming. Those Christians. You know, it'd be great if bold of them if they had modest Yahoo in that uh, category, just to see what would happen. Just to throw throw a curveball in, just there. to see how pissed off people get. <laughs> um. So, and this is one that I also like seeing. Uh, best one of the best new artist nominees, Chance the Rapper, an indie artist. I think I've heard some stuff about him. Do you want to get him on the show? Chance the Rapper? Yes. Yes, it would be very cool to get Chance the Rapper on this show. Okay, and let's get him. And look, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, he's not really indie because he's got, you know, the backing of Apple. Y'all need to realize, just because you have a lot of money and support does not mean you're not indie. All right, indie doesn't mean you're broke. All right, it means that you're running the show. You're at the top of the pyramid. You're not contractually beholden to any company. Yes, thank you. It doesn't mean that you're just you know getting support from a lot of like that's a that he's what a very his, successful indie artist. What is his relationship with Apple? Like the, he has like a you know a deal with them where he he puts out his stuff on Apple Music like exclusively. Oh, you can't get it anywhere else. I believe so, or like they get first crack at it or something. Oh, but okay. That's that's just a smart distribution strategy. He's built a partnership with Apple. But it's, you know, Apple doesn't own his masters. What did you say there? Like, y'all need to calm down or something like that? I feel like you're channeling your inner Elisa there. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we we need to dispatch with this idea that indie artists, like, once they, like, create a partnership with somebody, they're not independent anymore. Yeah. And well, the other uh, categories of best people, best new artists, Kelsey Ballerini, The Chainsmokers. You can't smoke, kids. Come on. That's just a, that's just a horrible message. Change that Marin Morris and Anderson Pock or Anderson dot Pock. I don't I don't know Anderson Pock or whoever or that is. I know Pock, the other four. Period Pock. Anderson Point Pock. Anderson Point Pake. What are Anderson you? Point Pock. Pock. Yeah, I hope that guy loses. <laughs> he could be a good guy for all you know. I don't know him either. No, that with that the, the, all the work you have to do. No. No, 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 no. Let's see. Uh so oh. Oh, wait, let's see. Best soundtrack, Waitress. Yeah. I'm joking. No, no, actually, uh, Waitress did get a nomination for Best Musical Theater Album. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. No, but the yeah. way they sound like it's so horrible. I, I did, I distinctly, I distinctly recall saying in the last segment that the songs were good. Sarah Bareilles' songs were good. So it does not surprise me that it got a nomination for Best Musical Theater right. Album. It's also nominated with Bright Star. Don't know that. The Color Purple. That must be some interesting songs. Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Kinky Boots, the uh, Cindy Lauper one. That's right. And didn't that come out like two years ago? Why is that nominated now? Anyway, and waitress. Yeah, this is. Oh, oh, what is this? Dude, what is this? Best what is score, what? best score soundtrack for visual media. Bridge of Spies. Yeah. The Revenant. Yeah. All right. Star Wars: Force Awakens. Go, John Williams. Stranger Things Volume One. And Stranger Things Volume. Stranger two. Things Volume Two. Yeah. What is that? It's one show. I don't know. Maybe maybe they put out two albums at different times. No, 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 no. You can't do that, Kyle Dixon, Michael Stein, apparently. It's pretty no. smart. Doubles your chances of winning. No, screw you guys. Let's go Star Wars. Uh, best compilation soundtrack of visual media, Amy, Miles Ahead with Miles Davis. Straight Outta Compton, that's probably going to win. Suicide Squad and Vinyl. Oh, yeah, Straight Outta Compton's got to win, right? Plus, also, I hate Suicide Squad, so I hope that loses. I don't want anyone to think anything good came out of that movie. I remember the I remember people saying that the soundtrack was pretty good though. No, it was the most freaking like frantic frenetic thing. It's just like changing the FM dial. That's what the first 5 minutes was. Just like all of a sudden blaring music at you while you have the weird text come up and you're like, "Okay, do I need to read it?" And they only yeah, we're going to do this for three characters. And then we're just going to stop. God, that movie was such garbage. 
<laughs> so this, we were talking about this before the show, and it warrants bringing up here. One of the nominees for Best Rock Performance was Disturb's cover of The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. I, I told you I liked it, but I feel like most people don't. I told, I, I, And I told you, I actually saw this thing performed at the OzFest back in September and was like, wait, what? This is happening? And I didn't like it. I just It was out of place. I don't think they're built for it. I don't think the lead singer, I think, what's his name? Is it like Darren something or other? I don't even know. I, it just, it doesn't work. It's not, it wasn't good. Not good. Do you, do you think their it's cover, possible? Their cover of Land of Confusion, good. Do you think it's possible your judgment's clouded that like, you know Disturbed more from like their regular work, whereas I'm not, don't really I'm know I'm not disturbed. a Disturbed fan. Like, like I, don't I don't know, know him any as, of their albums. I don't know him as much for like, oh, ah, 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 as most people do. So like, all I know him for is The Sound of Silence. <laughs> High school. What? Okay, <laughs> that's weird. And so, like, and maybe that makes me more able to appreciate the Simon and Garfunkel cover. Well, then that just listen to Simon and Garfunkel. What are you doing? Just what are you doing? You don't care about them. Just listen to Simon and Garfunkel. Okay. <laughs> just yeah. Like, so people can't cover songs ever. No, they can't if they're done well. Metallica, for instance, they're friggin' awesome at covers, bro. I mean, have, have you heard the Ronnie Rising medley? Uh, I was just listening to it today. I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> All right. They, I, they, no, they do. They do great covers, but like, no, Disturbed. It was just. It was just like, what, what's going on? I guess I was okay with it, the fact that then there was less pushing and shoving behind me. At that point, <laughs> worst mosh pit ever during yeah. the Sound of Silence. No, no, no. It was just no. Give me. It, it didn't fit. Didn't fit. Didn't fit. Don't like it. Don't like. It. And that like that got nominated. Yeah, best rock performance. Alongside Black Star and Hardwired. In fact, I, and I have no way of proving this because I never tweeted it out or anything, but when I first heard that performance, I said, this is going to get a nomination for Best Rock Performance. And I was right. Of course, so, I have no oh, way of you know, proving it, but... No, yeah, because you and your friggin' whatever little insider you have at uh, Deloitte and... Uh, De, De, what the? Deloitte and Touche? Is that what you're, you're doing? Deloitte yes. and Touche there? I, I did Price Waterhouse, now I'm doing Deloitte and Touche. Man, the fact that I got all those Grammy picks right last year is really stuck in your craw. Because you're a cheat and a fraud and a liar. <laughs> in fact, look, I'm really good what at if you work for the record awards. labels? That would be something they would do. Try to, like, head this off of the pass. Yeah, I see through you, Ryan. <laughs> You're yeah, probably you've had this plan since 1997 when we met. Yeah, we did meet. That was a good year. Yeah, even before Napster, you knew. <laughs> I was really making the long play. Yeah. So I see on the board R O T R, and for the life of me, I completely oh, forgot was, what that was. Oh no, no, that was just a quick thing. I don't even realize where we are in the time check or anything. Yeah, just yeah. Oh, that's right, because we're we're, skip, we're missing out on a 20 minute chunk of guests. That's right. So yeah, no, but, just... but the other segments have been long, so it's it's about an hour, I think. Wow, cool. Yeah. Oh, that's just so that's Rock on the Range in Columbus, Ohio. That's a three day music festival. Apparently, it's the biggest rock festival in the country. Um, I'm going there because Metallica's headlining. Oh, so you're, you're back on the festival beat because I've seen you back on Twitter. On the festival beat. And you seemed pissed that, like, I feel like Metallica's not touring where you are enough to your satisfaction. Oh, you mean on Facebook where I'm yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no yeah, there, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot of. <laughs> Uh, pronouncements of one-off things. Ooh, they're doing the Jimmy Kimmel block party. Oh, they're doing a show in LA actually this week coming up, um, which I didn't enter the contest for because I saw airfare was like $500. So Ooh. I have to be a responsible adult sometimes. You know, not always, but sometimes. And I'm like, dudes, just please make the regular tour announcement. 
you know, that would be great for me just so I can plan this stuff out. Yeah. Maybe some road trips. Yeah, Metallica, Soundgarden, Corn, The Offspring, Volbeat, Primus, Bush, Chevelle, Papa Roach, Seether, Coheed and Cambria, uh, Amon Amarth, Skillet, Some 41, Gojira, Diligent Escape Plan, In Flames. Some 41? Motionless and White. I'm, I'm going through and just skipping and seeing if there's names you would know. Rival Sons. Actually, I saw saying them. Some 41 is still out? Apparently. Wow. Norma Jean, Suicide Silence, Whitechapel, nice. Dinosaur Pileup? <laughs> I don't know who that is, but that's a great name for a band. That's not main stage, definitely. Uh, they Fang, should be. Red Fang, Dorothy, Radkey. Wait, is it Radkey as Lions or Radkey and then as Lions? I don't know. <laughs> Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Siler. Fire from the Gods. Bad Flower. Wage War. Goodbye, June. Cover Your Tracks. Dead. D-E-D. Okay. Bleaker. <laughs> Like Wait, EE. is this part of the podcast <laughs> just become you reading the lineup for a Columbus, Ohio music festival? Because well, now this is also, I'm just like, wait, who are these people? It's just kind of funny. Royal Republic, Mother Feather, Aegis, A-E-G-E-S, and One Less Reason. The end of this show has become a dinosaur pileup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, these are, those guys, I'm very sorry if any of you are independent artists and are listening to this show, but if you are, please reach out to us. Yeah. I will not be probably from one, two, three, four, five lines down. The last five lines. Yeah, I don't care. But Metallica. Yeah, Metallica. So this is a three-day festival. Apparently where the crowd surfers are out of control. Really? Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. Got to... Do you crowd surf? Fuck no. Never? Never. It's, no. The, the, the feeling has never struck you. It has never struck me. Well, I don't trust people. One. It just It's just not something I need to really do. Plus, I hate crowd surfers. Those people suck. What's the craziest thing you've done in the audience of a concert? Uh, blow? <laughs> <laughs> Joking. I'm kidding. Uh, our thanks to our absolutely no <laughs> guests this week. Uh, we'll see you all next week in the Break the Business podcast. <laughs> <laughs>